Good morning once again, and uh, let me uh, also wish all the mothers here a happy Mother's Day. Uh, I want to open us up uh, with a word of prayer. And um, Mother's Day and Father's Day are are difficult days from a preaching standpoint because we want to come in and we want to celebrate moms, right? Um, You all work tirelessly, often with not much gratitude, and uh, uh, we love you, and we are so glad that you are who you are. And uh, we are just so grateful to have uh, mothers who uh, watch over their husbands and, uh, and their kids. Um, but it's not lost on us that uh, it's a difficult day for some. All right. We have some uh, folks that uh, want to be moms. And for whatever reason, uh, God is not it's not part of God's plan yet. Um, we have uh, folks that lost their moms. And so it's just a very difficult day as everybody's talking about moms and you have mom, mom, mom everywhere you're going in the store by trying to sell you something that you're just constantly reminded that, wow, my mom's no longer with me. Right. And so uh, that's difficult. We have some whose moms are uh, far away and don't get to see them that often and other people that are estranged from their their moms and, and just don't get to see them or hang out with them or just don't have that connection of uh, love and care and, and kindness uh, that's there. And so I, I want to. I want to pray for us and I want to pray a blessing on moms, um, but I also want to just pray that those that are hurting this day um, might find some healing, um, that today uh, those that are hurting uh, might just be able to look toward their heavenly father uh, and just trust him to comfort them and console their hearts uh, on a day that can be difficult as well. All right. So let's let's just let's just pray. And if you have a, a mom or someone next to you that fits any of those categories, just put an arm on their shoulder. And be thinking about them uh, as we pray. All right. Uh, Lord God, uh, first of all, we just come before you and we're just grateful to be able to be here and to worship you. Uh, we're just grateful to have the opportunity to have a day that we set aside to worship and come together with our brothers and sisters in Christ and to praise your name and lift you up and worship you because you are the God of life. And we are so thankful for that. Lord, we celebrated moms today as we had kids come up and we see the miracle of birth. And we're excited about that for those families. And Lord, I want to I want to pray a blessing this morning on on the moms that are here. Uh, I want to pray that you would watch over them and care for them as it can be a very difficult job. Uh, I want to pray a blessing on them that as they raise their children to know and love you, that it would come easy to them. It would come with a laser like focus that they would say, I want these kids in eternity with me someday. And so I'm going to tell them that Jesus loves them every single day and pray with them and pray for them. And I pray a blessing on those moms today, Father, with the work that's in front of them. Lord, I want to lift up those today that that want to be moms. And uh, I just pray a, a special blessing on those folks that. Uh, Lord, that you would open their womb and that you would provide children for them and that they would experience what it is to raise a child and to love that child, to know and love you, and that they would get to experience that as well. And Father, another blessing and a prayer of, on those that have lost their mothers, um, those that uh, had to say goodbye as their mom left this, this life. And Father, I pray that it was a, a joyous surrender as they surrendered them to you. Uh, but Lord, I'm... I know that for some it wasn't. And so I just pray for comfort and peace today for those that no longer have their mothers here on earth. And one final prayer, Father, for those that just have a difficult relationship with their mothers. 
that today might be a day of healing, that today might be a day where they are able to look to you and have guidance, have comfort, have peace, and know that you're with them. We thank you for days like this, Father, so that that we can set aside um, a group of people that work hard and diligently. And we pray that you would watch over them and bless them. And bless us as a congregation today, Father, just just to share in love today. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. All right, today is the third Sunday, the last Sunday in our series that we've been in called Breathe It In and Let It Out. And the series has been focused on Mark chapter 4. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus tells a series of parables that we've been looking at over the last few weeks. And if you'll remember the first Sunday, two Sundays ago, when we looked at these parables in chapter 4, we started with the parable of the sower. All right, this is a test. Okay, parable of the? All right, very good. And in the parable of the sower, we learned Jesus told this parable about a farmer that went out to scatter seed and he scattered the seed and it fell on different types of soil. And we learned from this parable that Jesus is the sower and he's sowing the seed because he has come on the scene. He is preaching a message of repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And he's scattering the word, the teaching of God, the teaching of Jesus being the Messiah. He's spreading that seed, right, which is the word. And it's falling on people's hearts. And he equates people's hearts with different types of soil. And some people's hearts are well cultivated and good soil and ready to receive the word of God, ready to receive Jesus' teaching. And Jesus tells us that those hearts went on to produce a harvest of 30, 60, and 100 fold what they should have harvested from that one seed because that soil was so rich and so great and ready to grow in God's word. But then he mentioned there's three other types of soil. Some soil, the seed falls on and it may as well have not even been been sown there. It was a it was a, a path that was stepped on and trod on. There's like no root structure whatsoever. And Satan just snatches the word away from those people. And it's like they didn't even hear anything. And he said, there's another type of soil that's the rocky soil and people hear it and they accept it. They're excited about it. But then the cares of the world, the anxiety in the Bible tells us that passage of scripture tells us um, that the worries um, of the word that the word brings itself, meaning that the word that was sown on them is a difficult word and one where they have to give up much to follow Jesus. And they start to not, you know, not like the persecution so much and say, you know, I don't know if I want to live this way. And they give up their faith. And then there's another type of soil, he called it the thorny soil, where the seed was sown in places where um, thorns were growing up around it. And he said, these people hear the word, they're excited, they accept it, and they believe it, and they say, yes, yes, yes. But then the world comes calling and says, hey, you know, we got a little better deal over here. You know, it's more fun over here. Um, Our world is about you, not about God. So why don't you come join us over here? And the world just chokes them out. And so there's no harvest from that seed that's planted on that soil whatsoever. And the whole point of that first service, that first message, was uh, with our series Breathe It In and Let It Out, is that we need to cultivate our hearts so that we're ready to receive God's Word, or breathe it in, if you will, so that we have something to breathe out. And so as we study God's Word, as God's Word is sown on our heart, and as it's uh, mixed with good soil, a heart that's ready and open, and loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbor as ourself, that the seed is growing and it's producing great fruit. And so we're breathing it in. And then Lee came last week, preaching a great message um, about letting it out. 
And he shared a couple of things that really stuck out to me. First of all, he shared with us some stories of people that he knew that breathed it in really well. And then they let it out. They shared their love. They shared God's love and God's word with others that others might come to know who Jesus is. Right. And the other thing he did that exercise, if you remember, he said, OK, breathe in. So breathe in a little more and breathe in a little more. And then we let it out. He said, it's uncomfortable. And it was. It started to burn. And he said, it's much more natural, much more comfortable to breathe in and then let it out. And the same is, is with God's word. As we breathe it in, as we come to understand who Jesus is, and then as we start living it out and sharing it with other, others, it's natural. It's more comfortable. Not to just take it in and hide it, but to let it out for others to see. Well, this whole set of parables, and the one, including the ones we're going to look at today, are about Jesus coming and he's telling his disciples, this is how the kingdom of God is going to spread. I'm teaching you. I'm sowing seed. Some people have so hard of hearts and they're not listening. They don't have ears to hear. And so they're not understanding the word. But others like you, the uh, secrets of the kingdom have been made available to you. So you're understanding and you need to pay close attention. And Jesus said, you don't take a lamp normally and hide it under a table, but that's being done right now because this message is not being understood by everyone. But instead, we want to put that lamp on top of a table for everyone to be able to see. We want to let our lights shine. Well, today's parable, we're going to look at this term or this uh, idea of multiplication. Once we breathe it in and let it out, how then does that cause the gospel? How does that then cause the kingdom of God to be able to expand? So I'm going to try something a little new today. And I've asked three moms to join me on stage so we could have a little panel discussion real quick. All right. So uh, Jill Ponstein and Donna Gugamus and Jean Lancer. Are you here? Jean was being a little hesitant, so she may have hid from me today. Are you here, Jean? There she is. All right. Come on up. Uh, I'm going to steal one of these mics, guys. So I'm going to take. I think this is Terry's. Is that, that right? We're good. OK. And I'm going to have them come on up. Give them a hand as they're making their way up. So to coerce Jean, I had to at least tell her a little bit of the questions I'm going to ask, but I didn't tell the other ladies what questions I'm going to ask. OK, so uh, come on over here on the carpet. This is where I was told the light is good. Yes, they make me look handsome in it. So it must you know, work for. I was just kidding there. All right. All right. All right. And we're working. I'm going to I'm going to start with Jill. OK. And uh, Jill, first introduce yourselves yourself to us. You are. All right, you got to hold that. I got to eat it. I am Jill Hunt. There you go. And your husband is Mike Hunt. Otherwise known as Captain America. Captain America. Captain America. Yes. yes. All right. Very good. And you have how many kids? Four. Four kids. And the oldest is nine. Nine, and that's Cade, right? Annie. I'm sorry, Annie. Annie. And then the youngest is Sadie. Sadie. Eight months. Eight months. Okay. We're going to focus on Sadie. Sorry, the other three, but we're going to focus on Sadie here for just a second. All right. Um, so a couple of questions. So when Sadie was first born, um, she was being fed milk. Yes. Right. All right. Um, at what point do you introduce nastiness, you know, mashed up carrots and green beans and that kind of stuff? Uh, about, about a month ago. About a month ago. So at what? Seven months then? Yep. Seven months. Okay. And um, what point would you introduce more solid food, do you think? As she wants it. Okay. Was it a, a year? Yeah, about a year. About a year-ish? Yeah. Okay. Um, so why, when she came out into the world, did we not throw her a party and give her a T-bone steak? Because her stomach couldn't handle it. All right. Stomach couldn't handle it. Didn't have teeth yet, right? right. Probably each bite would have just, right, all the way down. Okay. Okay. Um, so is she pulling herself up yet? 
Yes. Okay, when did that start, roughly? Um, about six months. No, about six months? months? Okay. She taken any no, steps no, yet? the fourth. Right? <laughs> All that runs together with the fourth <laughs> <Yeah>. one, right? <laughs> right. At what age did your other kids start to walk? Uh, one. One, one-ish yeah. is when they start to yeah. walk. Okay. And um, when, when Sadie came into the world, did she have an instruction booklet tied to her leg? No. She did not? No. Okay. Um, did the hospital... Are you guys out there? Okay, this is really some funny good stuff here. All right. Um, so when when you left the hospital, did they give you a booklet that said, um, you know what, if you want Sadie to grow, uh, Mike grab her arms, you grab her legs and just start pulling every day? No. No, not how that works. And you don't like, you know, hang her by her feet in the closet to help her? No, okay. she grows just fine on her own. <laughs> okay, how does she grow? Fast. <laughs> I mean, how does she grow? <laughs> uh... God made her. We feed her. All right, we feed her. Okay, good. All right, and one last question. Um, spiritually, with, with Sadie, um, what, what do you and Mike do? Sing to her. Sing to her? Okay. Yeah. Would you like to share with us now? That's okay. Okay. <laughs> just kidding. All right, so you sing with her some, some Bible um, Bible songs yeah. and just let her know Jesus loves you. Yeah. Okay, all right, very cool. Thank you very much. Joe, I'm going to move to Donna here. Donna's got a bundle of joy with her there today. All right, Donna, introduce yourself to us. Uh, Donna Gugamis. Okay, and your husband is? Jeremy. Otherwise known as? The Googs. Yeah. Does he not like that name? That's the best nickname ever, The Googs. All right. So The Googs and you have uh, you have six kids. Yes. Right? And the oldest is how old? Ten. Ten. All right. And um, so let's focus on kind of the, the middle kids and the older kids for a second. Um, <laughs> you're going to steal the show, aren't you? All right. That's all right. <laughs> Um, at what point did the did the kids start um, running? Um, soon after they were walking, around a little over a year. A little over a year, okay. <laughs> That's okay. She was making material look better. Uh, okay, so uh, a little after a year. And what about jumping? About the same time. About the same time, okay. And um, so when you look at your oldest and then you look at the twins or you look at scrapbooks of when the oldest was a baby, what, what are your feelings? What's your reaction when you see that? It seems like it was just yesterday. Yeah. It's just like, holy cow, where'd this little one go, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And um, so spiritually, what, what do you and, and Jeremy do at home as far as just letting the kids know who Jesus is? Um, bring him to church. Okay. Read with him. Pray with him. Read talk, with them. Talk about it. Yeah. Okay. And do they come home um, from church? Are you able to say, hey, what'd you learn today? And they're able to let you know what game they played or they're able to tell you some, some yeah. Bible stories. Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes better than others. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're able to share with you Bible stories and things. All right. Cool. Um, so are you ever does, are, are you ever not amazed at just how they're growing and understanding things? Never. Yeah. Pretty cool. All right. All right. Thank you very much. I'll give the uh, microphone to Gene there. Hi, Gene. <laughs> All right, Jean, um, how many kids do you have? I have eight. I have one in heaven, my first one, and oh. I have eight living ones. Eight living, okay. And how many grandkids? Uh, do I look at my list? <laughs> Roughly speaking. I have 21. 21 grandkids, okay. Um, yeah. And uh, great grandkids? Twenty and a half. Twenty and a half. Great grandkids. Okay. Awesome. And uh, so that's what we're at, what, 48-ish? 48 and a half? If I counted right, 47 and a half. Um, On any given Sunday, what would you guess the percentage of them being in churches? 
Ninety percent. Okay. And the other 10 percent is if they had to work or something like that. I would hope. You would hope. Okay. Um, so you have 47 and a half, 48 and a half, I lost count, kids or grandkids and great grandkids. And on any given Sunday, you're confident at least that 90 percent of your family is in church worshiping Jesus somewhere. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And if you were to uh, give just a one sentence, this was my part in seeing that done, what would you say? praise and thank God that he allowed me to be their mother for 18 years and that they are his children. Yeah, very good. And what do you do today on behalf of your kids, grandkids, and great-grandkids? Oh, pray. <laughs> With a capital P, huh? With all the pictures on the wall. All right. Yeah, very cool. All right, thank you, ladies. Let's give them a hand. Thank you very much. <laughs> Okay, keeping that conversation in mind, all right, I want us to turn to Mark chapter 4. All right, Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 26. Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 26. And it reads this way. And he said, Jesus, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, Jesus continues, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? And by kingdom of God, it means Jesus' authority on earth. Okay, the kingship or the lordship of Jesus. What can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? It's like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches branches, so that the birds of the air can make nests in the shade. All right. I'll talk real quick about this idea of multiplication. All right. Multiplication. When it comes to multiplication, in Jesus' parable, he's talking about the kingdom of God, right? Which today we could say is the church. When it comes to multiplication, multiplication has to start with a source. It has to start with a seed, right? And the source is the kingdom of God. The authority, the kingship, the lordship of Jesus is the source or the seed that we're talking about, right? That comes to grow in people's lives through the seed, through God's word. But the source that we're looking at is the kingdom of God. Jesus says, what shall we compare the kingdom of God? What shall we compare this authority that Jesus now has being on earth as the Messiah? And he said, it's as if a farmer goes and scatters the seed, scatters the kingdom of God, lets people know about the authority of Jesus. And then the farmer comes out day and night, doesn't know what's happening. And before long, something starts growing out of the ground. But it has to start with. A source, right? You can't multiply something that doesn't exist. And so we're going to start with that source of the kingship, the lordship of Jesus here on earth, God's kingdom on earth, which is Jesus' rule and reign. Second, multiplication has to have a multiplier or a factor. Anything multiplied by zero equals? Anything multiplied by one equals? Itself, right? And the bigger the number that we multiply by, the bigger factor that we put over there, the bigger number that we end up with as a result. 
And so we take God's kingdom and it's scattered about. And as it falls on different people's lives, different hearts, different areas, and that kingdom starts to grow and grow and grow, the more seed that's out there, the more soil that receives it, the more God's kingdom starts to grow and grow and grow. And the farmer comes out and he just waits for it, waits for it. And pretty soon he starts to see this blade come up, this root, this flower, this plant start to pop out of the ground. But without a multiplier or if a smaller multiplier, it spreads slowly with the larger multiplier. It grows more rapidly. And the third thing about multiplication is that multiplication takes a miracle. It takes a miracle. The farmer says he doesn't even know why or how. The farmer just scatters the seed. He comes out. It's like, huh, something's growing over there. We have these plants outside of our house, and I think my wife knows what they are. I have no clue what they are. And I come home each day, and these things are just spreading like wildfire in this flower bed that we have before we're going up. And I come home every day, I'm like, man, those things were just like this the other day, or they're covered with snow two weeks ago, or whenever it was, right? <laughs> we have this rhubarb plant. I think it's rhubarb. I think. Um, I won't tell you how I know I think it's rhubarb because then it would tell on me. But I think it's this rhubarb plant. And it was coming up, uh, I think it was like three or four weeks ago and had just one thing. I looked out the other uh, yesterday because I hadn't been paying attention. That thing's like this big. And it's got stuff coming out all over it. And I'm just amazed at the miracle of just how it just starts to grow and start to expand. And Jesus said the kingdom of God, his authority, his lordship on earth is just like a farmer going out to scatter seed. And he comes out and this stuff starts growing up. And he doesn't know how. He just knows that it is. He says it's like a mustard seed, the smallest seed that you can imagine. And his crowd in Jesus' environment and culture would say, wow, mustard seed, that's pretty small. And he said you put it out there and you come out and it becomes one of the biggest, most beautiful bushes that's available or that's out there. And what he's sharing with his disciples, what he's sharing with his twelve, what he's sharing with the people that are following him, is that the word of God, while small now, while starting with one man, Jesus, is getting ready to take off and to spread and is going to grow like wildfire all over the world. And you guys are a part of it. But it takes a miracle. And there's two things that I want us to understand from this passage of Scripture. The first is the fact that it takes a miracle. It takes a miracle. I had two ladies up here who have uh, given birth within the last year. And I didn't ask them this question, but I'm guessing that if I would say, what were you thinking as a child was growing inside of you and then coming out of you into the world? And they would have to say, it's just a miracle. I mean, it's amazing how a baby grows inside of a lady and then comes out, it's attached by a cord, the cord is cut, and then suddenly it starts to grow. And no, they don't come with an instruction manual, they just start to grow. Why? Because it's a miracle. It's just flat out amazing how kids grow from being this to being this. It's just astounding to us. And so we have this idea. We see this understand. We have this understanding of watching things grow to say it is absolutely a miracle. But it shouldn't surprise us because when God called Abraham in Genesis and said, I'm going to make you a great nation. And it was just Abram and his wife, Sarah. And he takes him to this foreign land, which would eventually become the promised land. And he says, I'm going to make you uh, more uh, descendants than stars in the sky and sand on the seashore. And he gives him one child at 100 years old, Isaac. And Isaac has who? Jacob. Jacob's name is changed to Israel. And Israel has how many sons? Twelve. 
Right. And 12 sons go into slavery in Egypt. And 400 years later, there are a couple of million that Moses has taken out of the promised land. When you add everybody up. Right. We serve and we worship a God of multiplication. God brings Jesus or comes into the earth in the form of Jesus, taking the likeness of man. And he's born and he's a miracle born to a virgin. And 30 years later, he comes on the scene and he's preaching, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And he calls to him how many disciples? Twelve. And he's going to feed how many in a couple of chapters? Five thousand. The word of God is spreading. The kingdom of God is spreading as Jesus is scattering seed and watching God do the work. And it's absolutely a miracle. It's a miracle to watch children grow up. It's a miracle to see the kingdom of God, Jesus' authority on earth, to grow and grow and grow. And Jesus said, that's what's going to happen to my kingdom. That's what's going to happen to God's kingdom as we spread on earth, letting people know that the Messiah has come. One has come that was written about in the Old Testament, prophesied about in the Old Testament. He's coming to save the people from their sins. And it's going to grow. And it's going to grow. And it's going to grow. And the second thing I think is important to understand from our passage of Scripture is that Jesus said, once it's fully grown, then the sickle is going to come and cut it down. Jesus has not yet returned again, obviously, which means what? His kingdom is not fully grown yet. And if his kingdom is not yet fully grown yet, what does that mean for you and I? There's still work to be done. There's still multiplication to be done. There is still seed scattering to be done. There's still cultivation of our hearts to be done. That we might receive God's word and allow it to grow. That we not only breathe it in, but that we also let it out. And that as we let it out and it falls on people's ears, we're like the farmers. And you and I each know people that when we've talked with them a million times about the gospel and suddenly one Sunday they hear a message and they walk forward and give their lives to Christ. And we're thinking, oh, where's that been over the last 30 years that I've been praying for you, right? That's because it's a miracle. God has been taking the seed that you've been planting in somebody's life and working it and growing it with inside of them. And suddenly, when they hear something or God pulls them forward, they say, yes, I now understand. I now get it. And they give their lives to Christ and the kingdom is expanded by another person. And that happens because we serve a God of multiplication. We serve a God who says this seed is for you. Breathe it in, but don't just take it in. Don't just keep it in. Don't just keep it to yourself, but let it out. You've got family members who don't know Jesus. You have neighbors who don't know Jesus. You have co-workers that don't know Jesus. Keep planting a seed and planting the seed and planting the seed and be like the farmer that walks out. And suddenly, someday, you're going to see this growth. And you're going to say, wow, you weren't asking these questions a year ago. You weren't asking these questions a month ago. Now you are. And we can continue to see God grow inside of people's lives. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, This is great, great, great news. I mean, great news. And this is why. It's not up to me. (laughs) It's not up to me. And it's not up to you. I didn't make the God's word grow inside of somebody's heart. I was sitting in a couple's house back on Monday evening before I left for Tennessee and they wanted to talk about baptism. So I was like, all right, we got to make this work. So I go out and I'm talking with them. And I just share the gospel with them. 
And God moves their heart. God changes their heart. And God's speaking to them and they say, yes, we want to give our lives to Christ. Yes, we want to be baptized. And the end of second service, we're going to baptize this couple because God was growing and moving inside their heart. We serve a God of multiplication. And it's great news because the work is not up to us when it comes to the growth. But here's the job that we do have. Our job is to sow the seed, scatter a seed, let people know who God is, what Jesus has done for us. Our job is to have a vertical relationship with God, that we love Him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. A horizontal relationship with people, that we love our neighbor as ourself, right? And we're sowing God's Word and planting it and letting people know who Jesus is. Our second job is to shine. To let our light shine so that others may, if they don't hear the words, maybe they'll at least see a life that has a cultivated heart that wants to serve God and love Him with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength and love their neighbors or self. That they say, wow, there's something different about that person. And so we sow the seed by casting God's Word out. We shine, letting God's light shine through our life. And then we'd be like the farmer. We get to sit back and be amazed. And it never ceases to amaze me. Especially when an adult, 30, 40, 50 years old, comes forward and says, I get it. And yes, I choose Jesus. That just gets me going. I get so excited to see the transformation that God is having in people's lives. But it's His work, not mine. We sow, we shine, and we stand back and we be amazed. Now, I secretly had Gene Lancer come up here for another reason. Um, if I had a list of heroes, and I don't, Jesus is my only hero, okay? But if I had a, a sub-list, okay? Um, Gene Lancer's on my list, all right? So I, I know uh, some of Gene's story, and I know that she had, I didn't know about the child that she is in heaven now. I didn't know that. Um, but I never am ceased to be amazed when I talk to Gene Lancer and look at her and know that her family I would say probably 100% are in church on any given Sunday. Yes. And it's just because she was faithful. And she prayed. And she was not given any guarantee that any of her kids would be Christ followers. But she continued to bring them to church and to share with them the love of Jesus. And now she has seven kids that have grandkids and great-grandkids that love Jesus or at least are in an environment where they can know and learn and understand about who Jesus is and they have a grandmother and a great-grandmother and a mother that's praying for them every single day. Gene came up to me last week and said, Andy, I want you to preach my funeral. And uh, so, well, you're, you've not died yet, Gene. And my first reaction was, no, you've got enough preachers in your family. And uh, John wants to be a preacher. He just doesn't know it yet. And I said, I'm not going to preach your, your funeral. But she begged. She got on her knees. It was ple- I mean, it was really... Yeah, yeah. So I changed my mind, Jean. I'm going to preach your funeral. But this is how it's going to look. Her shell that was in her body, or her body was in, is going to lay here in a box up front. And I'm going to get up here, and I'm going to look at her body... And I'm going to keep going <laughs> until everyone is giving her the standing ovation she deserves because she is a woman who sowed the seed to her kids to let them know that Jesus loves them. 
She shined as a woman who didn't let the perils of life or the difficulties of life keep her down, but kept her trust in Jesus Christ. And because of that, she can stand back as a mother and a grandmother and a great grandmother, amazed of the growth that God is bringing in her family's heart and life. And may she be an example to the mothers that we had up here and the other mothers that we have today with us on Mother's Day. Right? Yes. I think I'm going to be in trouble after church. Um, Here's the point to walk away with today. God's kingdom is about multiplication. Our job is to sow the seed and to shine and to sit back and be amazed as God grows inside of people's lives. And realize that the pressure's off of you. You just have to sow and let God do the work. The worship team's going to come up and they're going to sing. And uh, I'm going to be down at that cross for a couple of songs. If you have not yet surrendered to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've not made the decision to say, I um, have had the seed of God's word sown in my heart, right? And it has been cultivating in there and is ready to sprout and grow up and proclaim to the world that Jesus is my Lord. I'm going to be over there to receive you. We'll talk through that. We'll understand what that means. Our baptism, our baptismal is ready to go. And uh, I'd love to receive you. I also want to offer an invitation um, that I prayed about earlier, that if there are some of you that this day is just really tough and, uh, and you just want some prayer, um, I'll be over here and I know Dean will join me over there as well. And we'll just pray for you <laughs> and we'll just ask God to bless you, to comfort you, to watch over you uh, on what can be a difficult day. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for mothers all around the world and the work that they do. Yeah, Father, most importantly right now, we just want to thank you for cultivating your word in our hearts. We want to thank you for growing your kingdom throughout this world that we could have the church that we have today. We thank you for Calcasca Church of Christ that is a direct result of you starting by casting your seed, by spreading your seed and people letting their light shine. Some people going to the death, letting their light shine to know that Jesus loves us, that we could even be in this place worshiping today. We are so grateful And so thankful for that, Father God. You're an amazing God of multiplication. It's a miracle. We don't understand it. We don't want to understand it. We just want to know that you are God. We want to praise you for that. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.